in the presence of the Lord on tonight. Good evening and welcome to the University City Church. of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I told my wife coming in tonight that we are experiencing the beginning and the very midst of revival. I believe in this hour and in this season. So uh, don't think it's strange and don't think you are in a dream. I believe that we are all experiencing the very early on beginnings of revival. It may start as a sprinkle. It may start as a mist, but I just believe that we're on for a journey. And this is the Lord's doing and is mighty in our sight. I just want to take a quick moment to acknowledge the Lord and honor his presence and just acknowledge the glorious power of our God in the room tonight. Um, we don't take that lightly here at UCC. I'm very honored and very, very grateful for an opportunity to see and hear the Lord move amongst his people on tonight. God bless the worship team and their ministry of excellence. As always, God bless these very, very awesome men and women of God for the hard work that they do in serving the UCC. And God bless them all, these great ushers tonight and everyone who's on post tonight. And then to you, the Lord's people, God bless you all on this evening. For all of our guests and friends, if you're a visitor with us tonight, you are not a member of the church, but you're with us tonight, just want to reach out to you and say welcome tonight. My wife, Pastor Sharon, all the leaders of the church simply uh, certainly welcome and acknowledge. And in fact, we're grateful that you're with us tonight. So God bless you all. Thank you all for being with us. And may heaven smile upon you all. For our guests online tonight, God bless all of those who are visiting and watching the broadcast online, both far and near. We're grateful that you're with us on this evening. Now, listen, tonight is different. And um, I'm going to ask that you all bear with me for a few moments. I'm just as, I'm still kind of on the high of today's noonday service. Let me tell you how nervous and excited that I am. Uh, I, I walked out, I left my bag at home, I left my notes at home, I left my glasses at home, I, I left everything at home, amen. So uh, while we were in, while Elder Montgomery was doing the prayer, the prayer and presiding, I was in a copy room trying to find some notes that I could hurry up put together for tonight. But since you all have outlines and handouts, I think we're going to be all right. I'm going to use my own handout tonight, all right, and hopefully I can remember some of the things that were shared. Let me just give a tremendous shout-out to the staff and the leaders of UCC and to those who were part of the first inaugural noonday worship service. I think 35, I think, was the number that I saw or heard today. Uh, the cafe was full. I want to thank those who helped with multimedia, social media, just setting up and... Um, we heard so many people say we'd love to come to church at night, but we can't for various reasons here and there, but they're so grateful. And uh, I just, again, I just believe it's another chapter. It's a new beginning. I just want to thank you all. So I told them, all right, if all y'all here in the daytime, who's going to be here tonight? But I see you all are here. So God bless you all. As much as I am excited about uh, noonday service and even Thursday night service, I I'll tell you, as I told my wife, what excites me more is sometime next month, we're not quite sure when next month, but for all of the newer people and those who just want to go deeper, deeper in Bible study, deeper in subject matters, deeper in their Christian discipleship, we're going to open up Tuesday nights here at the University City Church campus. And it's going to be sort of a, almost a buffet of classes offered um, for those who want to continue on in the school of ministry, i.e. welcome to the city, living in the city, soaring in the city, those of you who have not finished your new members' classes, a lot of that will be offered on Tuesday nights, some on Saturdays, some on Sundays, but then on Tuesday nights. For those of you that are looking for discipleship classes, whether it be on faith, prayer, Bible study, theology, you name it, those things will happen on Tuesday nights. 
Uh, there'll be some community classes as well. Uh, we want to open this church to the community. Those who are working with GED, drug and alcohol, um, divorce care, just different type of community-driven classes. Some of those will be offered also on Tuesday nights. But here's the thing that really excites me most about Tuesday nights. For a long time, we've agreed that we have a tremendous high in experience on Sundays. I think you all would agree the Lord meets us in a very sovereign, powerful way on Sundays. But a lot of times, by the time Thursday night get here, we, we kind of on E again. And we're like, okay, uh, life has gotten in the way. We had to take care of the kids, pay the bills, go to work, like caught in traffic. And so I think in the name of revival, and I use the word revival very carefully, I know God has, been, I know God has proven his might with the season of restoration. I know God is currently doing something powerful in a season of renewal. I think you would agree with that. Why would we settle God short? of not wanting to do something with revival. We've seen his move, we've seen his hand. Let's by faith believe that there's something new in the name of revival. And when I say revival, it's not just services, but it's a new influx of unbelievers getting saved. It's a new growth of unchurched coming to church. So I'm really not speaking to those in the room right now. I'm speaking to those that are in your circles of influences. I'm speaking to those that are at that homeless shelter, those who are across Highway 73, those that are all over the area who really have turned church off and they don't know really what to do. But I believe revival will come in when they come to church on Sundays, they get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, have a move of God, but they don't have to wait four, five, six days to experience this again. But within 48 hours, come on, say 48 hours. This campus can literally be open for a lot of different things. Here's what I envision. I envision people getting a move of God on a Sunday. In other words, the Bible says that you have both knowledge or you have zeal, but not according to knowledge. Come get the zeal on Sunday. Get, get, I mean, have a holy spiritual move of God. But come back on Tuesday to get the learning. And I believe that for this next level and this next tier of people, we're going to see some great things happening. So, of course, as always, your prayers are needed, your gifts are needed, but sometimes volunteer is needed. And um, we've been in this facility less than a year, but already we're starting to see some of the major tenets of the vision come to pass. And one of those visions, Elder Derek Bosky, was that this church was open literally seven days a week. Uh, some of y'all didn't say amen. I didn't say you had to be here seven days a week, but the church was open. Uh, you're still not saying amen. Now, if, you, if, if that didn't do nothing for you, you wouldn't have made it in the days of Acts. The Bible says daily they met. Daily they broke bread in the temple and they had small group house church. So nothing surprises God. Nothing is new under the sun. 2,000 years later, we are all expect. And listen, if that's not enough to get you excited, what can we say tonight about our world events that we all are witnessing? If watching Fox News, CNN, CBS, NBC does not pique your interest to get back in the word of God, I don't know what does. I want to be able to say all of these great developments and, and wonderful things are happening, but I'd be, I'd be very disingenuous if I didn't tell you there's some nervousness. There's some trepidation. These are praying times. The Lord does nothing except he first reveal his secret to the prophets. And I believe we're just one of many, many, many churches that are tapping into the prophetic move of God that says you better prepare yourselves. Yeah. 
You better have your house in order. I'm already preaching. You all are waiting for the, the sermon, but I'm already preaching. It would be to our benefit to have our house in order, not just spiritually, but financially. We better get on the move of making sure we are prepared for the best of days, but also the worst of days. Amen. Tonight, Father, we honor you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your goodness. God, thank you that the entrance of thy word giveth light. For your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thank you, God, tonight for understanding, for knowledge, and for wisdom. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for discernment. God, thank you tonight that every man and woman will walk out these doors after the benediction, having learned, having experienced, having received, and having applied your precious principles from your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. First Timothy chapter two on tonight. First Timothy chapter two on tonight. We've made available handouts. If you don't have a handout, please raise your hand. One of these us's will lovingly place in your hand a handout on tonight. Once again, first Timothy chapter two. On your handout, you'll see second Chronicles seven. I've actually decided to defer until Sunday and looking at 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It's a great passage of scripture. I can't wait to teach. I, I'm really excited about 2 Chronicles this coming Sunday, but today, I want to look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2 on tonight. Again, I want to acknowledge and recognize those that are online tonight. Don't forget, at the end of service tonight, before we do the benediction, there will be an Ask the Pastor moment. You can use the chat room. You can email your questions. Those that are in the sanctuary, uh, feel free to prepare a question or two. We will try to reserve a few minutes for Q&A. Uh, notice I said Q&A, not comments in another sermonette, all right? Uh, but Q&A, all right, uh, 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 for tonight's message. Tonight is one of those messages that I've already gotten a lot of traction, and I think one of the joys of Noonday Bible Study is uh, I can kind of tweet what I didn't care for this morning and have it for you all tonight. So maybe a polis effect. Uh, then again, maybe not because I don't have my original notes with me, so we'll see what the Lord will say, all right? Uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. Please understand, I do not have my glasses. 1 Timothy chapter 2, all right? So bear with me as I read these scriptures. 1 Timothy, all right, chapter 2. Here we go. Verse 1. I urge you then, see, I can't even read. Look at there. I don't even know what version this is. Okay, uh, this is the NIV version, all right? 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Am I in 1 Timothy chapter 2? Yes. Good. Uh, for kings and for those, uh-oh, wait a minute, see, I missed a word. For kings and, what word did I miss? I know that. I'm, I'm teaching right now. I wanted them to say the word all because it was part of my teaching script tonight, all right? But thank y'all for helping me out on the screen. I, that, didn't, that does look better, doesn't it? <laughs> All right, praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Sharon. All right. For kings and, what is that word there? All those. Isn't that what your Bible says? All those in authority. That who? We may lead peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Is that right? All right, what about verse 3? How about verse 3 and verse 4? This is good. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, this is good. It pleases, and it pleases God, our Savior. Verse 4, very important verse here. Who wants all people, uh, there's that word all again, all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 
God wants all people. All right, not just you and I. He wants all people, not just black folk. He wants all people to be saved and come into the knowledge, is that right, of the truth. Uh, tonight I want to talk praying for our nation, praying for our president, praying for our nation, uh, praying for our president. We've spent the last several weeks talking about prayer. In fact, we've used the hashtag God Answers Prayer 2017. God Answers Prayer 2017. For those of you that are on social media and you're tweeting or Instagram, Facebook, use that hashtag. It'd be very helpful as we see this go viral as much as possible. We've had two objectives for the entire series. That is simply this. Number one, that all would understand the simplicity and the basics of prayer that all would understand the simplicity and the basics of prayer. Be very careful of the spirit of familiarity. Sometimes familiarity can rob us of revelation. So the goal is that we understand the simplicity and the basics of prayer. Number two, that all would learn how to pray an effective prayer on a daily basis. Uh, I do believe we pray. I believe we pray when times are tight, times are tough, there are tests and trials. Uh, we pray on Sundays. We pray when we are in small groups. We pray at Bible study. We pray in church. Um, but do we daily pray regularly and with effectiveness? How do we learn how to pray? Uh, this interests me because prayer is one of those facets. It's one of those fundamental tenets of our faith that if we're not careful, we can take for granted. We believe everybody prays. Everyone knows the word of prayer. But do we pray? Do we daily effectively have our quiet time with the Lord. If you were with us this past Sunday, one of the challenges and charges that we've been leaving as of lately is go home and establish quiet time with the Lord. And you, I mean, you're looking at me like, ain't that, ain't that understood? Shouldn't we, all, we all should do that. But in the heart of our hearts, do we spend time every day with the Lord in prayer? Quiet time. Quality time. Time of devotion. Philippians 4, 6 reminds us, do not be anxious. One version says be worried. One version says be careful for nothing. But in everything with prayer and petition. I think one version says prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. If you have the outlines tonight, please fill in a couple of blanks. This is review for most of us tonight. This is review. Uh, we have defined prayer in this series. Now, it may not be the universal definition we use all the time, but for this series in March, excuse me, January and February 2017, we've defined prayer as uh, to address God with adoration, with confession, with supplication, and thanksgiving. And then, fill in the blank, listening for a response. That is listening for instructions, listening for revelation, listening for assignments. I believe that comes from heaven. Now, 95% of us in the room, we've got the first part of prayer packed down. We know how to make our request. We know how to make our petition. We know how to make our supplications. But truthfully, do we spend quality time in silence, in quietness, listening for a response? I'll be the first to admit I haven't always practiced that in my Christian walk with the Lord. I know how to talk about the needs. We got bills to pay. We got some healing that's needed. We got this going on. We got that going on. Oh, by the way, God, can you work this out? And can you do this? And Lord, thank you for this. And I don't, I don't need for that. And we, we, we get that consumer's part of prayer packed down. But how many of us know what the value is of, of Isaiah 46 and 10? Being still and knowing that he is God. Being still, the word know to be intimate, to be still and to be intimate with God. 
Give him time to speak something to your heart. Give him time to give you some sense of direction. Give him time to give you some sense of discernment. I mean, Solomon asked an awesome prayer, and I won't be able to get to that tonight, but uh, the Bible says that God meets him in prayer. He says, Solomon, ask for what you want. Ask for what you want. Can you imagine God speaking to you in prayer tomorrow morning and saying, son, daughter, ask for what you want. All right? So prayer. We've looked at the priority, the purpose, the practice, and the power. I'm going to skip through my review. This morning during the noonday Bible study, I gave a lot of reviews from last week's message. But I think tonight I'm going to do something different. Let's skip through the review, and let's go straight to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Um, you know one of the laws of Bible study is when you see the word therefore, you really want to find out what it's there for. Even though a chapter begins, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, and I think we're trained to start reading with the chapter beginning, but be careful when you see the word therefore, because there may be revelation right there that says, before you move forward, find out why it's there. So if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, particularly verse 18, I think I'm going to read it tonight. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, because chapter 2 begins with the word therefore. And we really need to know why, what's the gist, what's the, the content, what's the motivation of, of, of Paul's charge to Timothy. So let's find out what, what was going on before chapter 2. Let's start at verse 18. All right, yeah, I thank you. If y'all can put that on the screen, that'll help my eyes out tonight. Uh, verse uh, 18. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that re by recalling them you might fight the battle well. I think one version says that you may wage a good warfare, that you may wage a good warfare. Let's stop right there. Brothers and sisters tonight, we are yet still in spiritual warfare. I know we're in the land of the free, home of the brave. I know we're in the great country, states of America, and hallelujah, glory be to God. But make no mistake about it, friends, we are yet still waging war in the spirit realm. So Timothy, Paul says, I'm the older, you're the younger. I'm the master, you're the student. I want to teach you that don't forget the prophecies. Don't forget that was spoken over you. And I want you to recall them from time to time. Remember that although we're in this earth, there's still a spiritual battle and a warfare that we are to waste. Let's look at verse 19. Holding on to the faith and a good conscience by which some have rejected. Can you believe that? And so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Now, you would think that with all of the miracles in, 2000, in, in the church 2,000 years ago and all of the miracles and all of the powerful phenomenons that we see through the ministry of Paul and of Peter and all of those disciples, yeah, you, you, you can't fathom the fact that somebody would backslide, that somebody would lose the faith, that someone would depart from the faith. Well, if they did it in the days of Jesus, i.e. Uh, Judas, all right, you, you know it's going to happen in the first century church. And if it happened in the first century church, here we are 20 centuries later, so let's not be surprised when some faith becomes shipwrecked. No matter what fault or what motive or what drove them to that, the truth of the matter is people do backslide. People do lose or, or have shipwreck of their faith. Uh, he gives us two examples. Keep, let's keep reading. Uh, he talks about Hymenaeus and he talks about Alexander. Is, is that right? Let's see what the next, there it is. Among them, so it's more than one or two, but among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander. Now, we don't know a lot about Hymenaeus, but if you remember, I think it's 1 Timothy 4, Paul speaks about how, uh, Alexander the carpersmith has done me much harm. He takes it personal here. He says, Timothy, be, be careful. Because there are leaders in the church. There are those who were once with us, and they're, they're struggling in their faith. Amen. 
They're going through some things. Hymenaeus is one of them. Alexander is too. But notice what Paul the preacher says. He says, I have delivered them or I've handed them over to Satan so they can be taught a lesson. And what's the lesson at hand? Not to blast. Not to put somebody on blast. That's what the young folk would say, put them on blast, right? Well, the young folk think they're all over this new hip stuff, but they just really nothing new in the sun, young folk. The word blast, blaspheme. That they would not put their mouth on God or the things that he considers sacred. Go home, do some Hebrew, do a, a Greek study on the word blaspheme. To put your mouth on God or the things that he considers sacred. Blaspheme. To put on blast. Therefore, now, chapter 2. So now we see why he opens chapter 2 with a therefore. Could it be tonight? Could it be tonight that Paul uses chapter 2 as a contrast to the end of chapter 1? Paul says, Timothy, unlike Hymenaeus, unlike Alexander, who may have put their mouths blaspheming on the things that God calls sacred, instead of talking, I want you to pray. Come on, everyone, say therefore. 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 Come on, let's go to chapter 2, verse 1. Here's how Christians should act. I urge you that all petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Now, I preached this this morning. I'm going to preach it tonight. I did not realize how many times we see the word all here. All preachers, excuse me, all people, all people, all right, all prayers, because God wants all to be saved. Maybe Paul has a bigger picture than the current trouble he's seeing right now. I'm going somewhere right now. Maybe there's something bigger than what's, seen, that, that, than what's on the surface in the day of Paul. Uh, let me give you a thought real quick. I'm going to jump to these thoughts on your outline here. Uh, there's nothing new that surprises God in this season of our country. There's nothing new that surprises God in our state, our city, or our church. Apparently, something was bigger than the surface conversation of 1 Corinthians, I mean, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and now 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Let's get back to our, our outline here. Uh, if you look at your outline, there under the section, a couple of quick thoughts. I want you to fill in the blanks here. Now, um, I want to say this real quick. Tonight's message is not endorsing President Donald Trump. Tonight's message would not have endorsed President Barack Obama. Uh, as much as I don't want to say this, but tonight's message would not have endorsed President, could have been Hillary Clinton. I want to talk to Christians tonight about Christian principles, Christian values, and Christian ethics. Uh, we are in a very, very divided hour. Not only in our country, but we're in a very divided hour in churches across America. Not only in churches across America, we are divided in churches of color across America. And there's something about what the national scene is doing that brings divide, even in some of our smallest of circles. So please hear me tonight. Hear me tonight. Okay? There's no endorsement tonight. I endorse truth. I will endorse Bible. I will endorse ethics, okay? But I'm going to ask in fairness that you do the same. I ask in fairness that you do the same. Uh, number one, fill in the blank if you would. Be very careful and extremely cautious of skewed, the word skewed, political influences led by the media. I'm a firm believer today as I've been for a while. The media is not your friend. The media is in the business of making money. And if it sells, it makes money. And uh, I believe in the balanced approach. I believe that we should do our own fiduciary homework and research and understanding. One of the joys I said this morning at the Bible study, one of the joys I have of being a, a recipient of uh, the historically black, black colleges and universities, HBCUs, is I was taught in my political science classes just because something's in a book doesn't mean it's true. 
And if that's the case, 20-some-odd years ago, just because something's in a newspaper doesn't mean it's true. Just because something's being reported on CNN or Fox News doesn't mean it's true. We have to read and read intelligently, read independently, and read objectively. Okay? Be careful of one thing. The media is not often our friend. I thought about 1 Timothy chapter 4 tonight where the Bible says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith. So Paul is still on this whole shipwrecked faith thing. He's still going on with 1 Timothy about Hymenaeus and Alexander and undoubtedly there were others, but some would depart from the faith. How would they depart? Two things, doctrines of devils and a seducing spirit. Doctrines of devils, in other words, there would be teachings that were demonic in nature and a seducing spirit. I think for the most of us, we probably are discerning and we probably can see a doctrine from a devil from afar. But what we don't do good with is deceitful and seducing spirits. Because they're not going to come front and center with a warning. Very subtle, very deceptive, very under the radar. And one of the concerns that I personally have had these past several couple of weeks, some of the marches, some of the protests, it starts out on the surface looking great. But if you dig deeper into some of the motives of the marches, you'll find a lot of that may not line up with Christian values. Okay, I'm asking you all to be fair with me tonight. I don't want to get too detailed. Um, but I'm concerned that there's a lot of fear-mongering from the media that puts a bullseye on the face of a man, and hopefully we dismiss some of the quote-unquote, hear me, quote-unquote, conservative values. Maybe not all, but definitely a lot. Okay? I hear the argument tonight, but what about the social side of it all? I believe we should be here for the poor, the homeless, the rejected, the oppressed. We should roll out carpet to our strangers. But I'd have to say tonight, oh God, I feel like I'm going to go somewhere I didn't really want to go. I didn't do this this morning. I'm trying to stay focused here. The Christian church should be the leader, as the Bible says in Romans 13, in entertaining strangers, unaware. Making sure we show love, hospitality to all. That is an Old Testament practice and a New Testament practice. But if you want to look deeply at scripture. There is enough scripture in the Old Testament that opposes strangers as well as welcoming strangers, particularly in the book of Proverbs. The proverb, the wisdom says, be careful, Israel, of entertaining strangers. Be careful of who you walk, welcome into your venue. So you have to be very balanced, again, intelligently, independently, and objectively when you read scripture. We have the tendency to take scripture and massage it for the comfort of what we're feeling for the moment. But the problem with that theory is feelings come and go. The word of God is objectively, it should stay the same. All I'm saying is this, as you are befriending and loving and, and talking and sharing, make sure you are independently standing on scripture, not necessarily on the media fear-mongering, because it, it will bring a division, if you're not careful, between you and your so-called biblical convictions. All right? We'll have a little time for q and I want to make sure that this is going over the, the way it should go over. One thing's for sure, again, nothing surprises God in heaven. Where we're at tonight, as a country, as a city. You know, someone, uh, I've been doing some, some active Facebook as of late. I hadn't been doing it for a while, but now I'm kind of back uh, rebuilding and, and growing that, 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 that social media presence. And um, 
Someone made the statement, well, uh, I don't see you being that supportive with President Barack Obama when he was a president. I said, oh, no, I, 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 I dare to differ with you. I've always been respectful and courteous of those who are in leadership. You've never heard me use the word Barry. You've never heard me use the word Obama. It's always preceded with president. It's always been an honor for the office or the position. Now, what you have observed, which I fully agree is, I've been very vocal about some of the policies and things he has stood for that I have not stood for. And I have a right to do that. But as I respect your rights, or your opinions, seem like you ought to respect my opinions. And all of a sudden now, I don't want to become the dumb, ignorant gospel preacher who doesn't know anything about politics. It, it, you know, this is not the first president. It won't be the last president. But oftentimes, if we as a people aren't secure in who we are, we'll let the world define who we are. Not only as Christians, but Christians particularly of different backgrounds and nationalities, all right? Let me say that. I say that to say this. Here's what I believe tonight. And by the way, I reminded uh, during the Bible study today, I've met President Barack Obama. I have stood with him. I've talked with him. And the short conversation we had was simply this. It's an honor to meet you. I want you to know I'm praying for you, your wife, and your daughters. His response to me, and this was not a group meeting, it was a one-on-one. -on -one. I thank you, Pastor Stevens, for praying for us. We need prayer. I have pictures to prove it. I can show you several pictures of just he and I together talking. And as so many of my colleagues have reminded me, it should be an honor that a young man of color, as uh, the, the past President Barack Obama, made us all uh, have some sense of hope that we could be somebody great in God's kingdom or in this country as well. But does it mean that I have to align with his policies or principles? It doesn't. In fact, in fact, I may be one of very few, quote unquote, African-American conservative pastors, particularly in the area as it relates to fatherlessness, as it relates to same-sex agendas, and as it relates to abortions. You don't hear that often from pulpit settings. Those just happen, just so happen to be some things that before there was a President Barack Obama that I always stood very strong uh, uh, for, or, or excuse me, against. And so the meeting and the timing may not have always been the best, but I don't think you'll ever find in record where there's been a bashing, a, 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 a condescending, condescension, or any type of, excuse me, what's the word I'm looking for? Condescending, thank you. Condescending or any beat down. That, that's just not who we should be as Christians. Uh, when, when, when Mayor, excuse me, when um, Governor uh, McCory, you know, uh, He's been to our church. I have his cell number. He has mine. We've talked on several occasions. We've worked together in Charlotte when he was the mayor. And we've always honored him. He just so happened to, to, to align with a lot of my personal biblical values, just personally. But now that Governor Cooper is now the new governor, I can't get all, I can't un-citizenize un myself from being a citizen of the state of North Carolina. I got to fall in rank. He's now my governor. We may not agree on a lot of things, but he's still my leader. And you won't hear evil bashing and bad things. You probably will never see me and Jennifer, the mayor, Jennifer Roberts. She's probably not my cup of tea. She probably doesn't represent the values that I have. But she's still the mayor of our city. And so the point I'm going to make tonight is simply this. Number two, be discerningly prayerful, if you fill in the blank, be discerningly prayerful of all leadership. Okay? Uh, I gave the analogy earlier, and I'll give it again tonight, that, hey, listen, uh, 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 I've never been in the military, but those of you that have been in the military, uh, it's something called rank and order. You realize that uh, whoever your uh, supervisor or up lead is, you fall in rank and in order, and you follow direct. You may not like them. You may not care for them. For those of you that have supervisors on the job, listen, 
You may not like her or him, but they're still your supervisor. And you got to find a way to somehow pray for them and support them. You may not agree with them, and you may not condone them, but as Christians, God gives us instructions to pray. In fact, go to 1 Peter 2. Just go to 1 Peter 2, all right? 1 Peter 2 and then Romans 13. Let me give you these two scriptures. We'll move up the road some, and then uh, we're going to talk about a couple of prayer points for, in particular for our nation on tonight, all right? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Again, be very careful of skewed political influences by the media. Watch out for the fear-mongering. Also be discerningly prayerful for all leadership. Now, here's where, you, here's where it gets tight. Therefore, the Bible says, 1 Peter 2 and 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to a king as supreme or to governors or to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of of those who do good. So even the sheriff uh, department who comes to serve you notice, you need to make sure you respect them when they come to your house and knock on the door, all right? Now, uh, check your house alert, I mean your house arrest, monitor on your ankle. Uh, don't, don't go off on them, they're just doing, they were just sent by the authority to make sure your ankle bracelet is still on, okay? Um, I'm not talking about nobody, I'm just, just giving you an example from the scriptures. Uh, Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, to governors, those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God. Let's stop right there. How much more deliberate, how much more instructional, how much more direct can the word of God be? For this is the will of God. And by doing so, you may do that which is good. Or excuse me, you may put to silence the ignorance of such foolish men. As free, you are not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as a bondservant of God. Verse 17, honor all people. Love the brotherhood, fear God, once again, honor the king. Now, again, I cannot speak to the secular world tonight. I do not expect them to honor these scriptures. I cannot speak to those who are unchurched, unbiblical, unknowing. But to you and I as Christians tonight, here's where the rubber meets the road. As Christians, as Bible-believing Christians, we have a mandate from God to pray for all leadership. You may not like your supervisor on the job. In fact, you don't like her and she don't like you but you're commanded to pray for her. No amens, I see. You're in the military. You're on a football team. You had two days. You, you had practices. You grinded it out. You sweated it out. Now that the coach has come up with the list, who's going to be the quarterback, who's going to be the offensive lineman, guess what? You're a team now. You got to find a way to win. You have to find a way to win. You're on a job, you work in corporate America, everyone was buying for the floor management, everyone was buying for the project coordinator, and uh, they gave it to somebody else, you don't like him, he don't like you. But you know what? You're not going to quit that job. You will find a way to be on that team and make it happen. So how is it now, in this political climate, all of a sudden, he ain't my president. I ain't, are you still a citizen of the United States of America? That's what I want to know. If you are, foolish talk, the Bible says. Foolish talk, all right, in ignorance of foolish men. Now, here's the thing. How do you honor all people? How do we honor? I said this morning, I'll say it again. I'm never, I probably won't be a great fan of our current mayor or our governor, but I have to respect their office. I have to pray for them. I have to honor the position. I may not honor their stance. I may not agree with their opinions or their policy, but as a Christian, there's something that God is doing bigger. I, I, I want to say this tonight. I asked the question earlier, I'll ask you the same question. Let me see if I get the same responses. And let's go there. Can we go there tonight? Let's go there. 
Can Donald Trump get saved? Do you, I mean, do you honestly believe in the core of your hearts that this demagogue who represents probably everything opposite of what most of us look like or have been through, can God save him? Is his blood still powerful to save to the utmost? And I'm, not, I'm not talking about jailhouse religion and, you know, because he's in the office now. He ain't got to do nothing for nobody. He's there now. Everybody gets saved on the candidacy trail. But one thing I have to acknowledge, and I don't think you'll disagree with me, is for some crazy reason, he has surrounded himself with some pretty fireball evangel, uh, 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 evangelists and men and women of God, I would say. I'm not going through no personalities right now. But he's kind of willing to do what others wouldn't do. And I don't know if he knows what he's doing or not. Is there a possibility? Maybe God is doing something. Now, I, I got to say this tonight, and you're going to get mad at me. I hope you love me after the message is over with. But when President Barack Obama was president, remember the tagline, he is the president of the United States, not the pastor of the United States. There was so much defense. He ain't the spiritual pastor. Okay, well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Let's say the same thing about President Donald Trump. He's not called to be the pastor of the United States of America. He's called to be the president of the United States of America. Our goal is, God, you surround him with men and women of God. We need people who can spiritually pour in, spiritually cover, but we also need some very sharp men and women who can give him tactical and, 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 and wisdom when it comes to the affairs of our country. God can use who he wants to use. Because one thing's for sure, whether you like it or not, whether you agree or not, we voted and God sanctioned. And now that it's done, we need to find a way to spiritually be who God's called us to be as Christians. All right, stay with me. Stay with me. Romans 13 and 1. Romans 13 and 1. Pastor Tom, I thought about you earlier when God spoke to my heart about that, that question, can he be saved? I thought about when Saul walked into the room as a new Christian convert. You all remember in the Bible when Paul got saved and when he walked in the room, everybody was buckling at their knees, scared to death, because the one who'd been per persecuting Christians, who had a famous reputation of killing them, last we seen him, he was there, consented to the death of Stephen. Now he walks in the room with his Bible and his, and his prayer cloth and his shawl, and he's ready to get down to business and see his soul saved. Can you imagine the atmosphere of that room that day when he walked in? So if God can save an apostle Paul, formerly a.k.a. Saul, maybe his blood can still save today. And we don't know, again, we're not looking for a new pastor of the country. We're looking for a president who can lead this country. And maybe God can do something bigger than you or I. I'm just giving you something to think about. I know you don't like me. Thank y'all for not walking out and throwing tomatoes at me while I'm preaching, all right? Uh, Romans 13:1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. I don't, I don't know how much more clear... We can be right here in Rome. For there is no authority except from God. And the authority that exists are appointed by God. No matter the electric vote, electoral vote, no matter the populist vote, the truth of the matter is God saw fit in his sovereignty to allow this season to be. And maybe, just maybe, it's bigger than what we all think. Here's what concerns me tonight. Leaving the house, I, I, I knew it would come eventually, but I didn't know it'd be so soon. The uproar and the uprising with Iran. That bothers me. I'm not sure what's happening with Australia tonight and the prime minister. I know that Israel's prime minister will be here in a couple of weeks. 
And I'm not quite sure, and maybe it's well above my pay grade. But all I do know is, if we've never prayed, now is the time to pray. I think we all would agree tonight that there is a, a pedigree and there's a pedigree and there's a disposition that makes us all uncomfortable. Okay? We joke back during the campaign days and now it's no longer a joke, it's real. You know, you let uh, the, the, the leader of North Korea say something bad about President Trump's mama and, you know, we don't know what's going to happen 10 minutes later. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, is that right? I'll prove you. Where's the button at? You know, but now what once was a joke. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, please don't let nobody go off, you know, in this day and time. But, 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 but is there something? I believe this. And this is not coming off the media and anybody's internet feed. I believe that we're sensing the very early on tremors of birthing pains. We are in uncharted waters. This is a very intrepidating season. And it encourages you and I to get our house in order. How far am I willing to take this? It encourages our church to get its house in order. So let's get beyond the drama, the past, the foolishness, and all of that stuff in the past. Maybe God was so orchestrating things that if nothing else, this church is going to be one of those gatekeepers of the city that might help us in revival. Could it be? Could it be? Could it be? We are now seeing the very, very early on beginnings of the latter days to come. Everybody okay so far? Here's what we know to do. Let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except God makes it happen. You can't blame white folk. You can't blame black folk. You can't blame Native Americans. You can't blame Jewish people. God allows this season to be. Everybody okay? Therefore, verse 2, whoever resists authority, resists the ordinances of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. There are three critical areas tonight we should pray for. Number one, we should pray for our country. Fill in the blank. We should pray for our country. I won't go to 2 Chronicles tonight. We'll pick that up on Sunday morning, but I will give you Proverbs 14, Psalm 9, and Psalm 33. Proverbs 14 reminds us of this, verse 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin brings a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin brings a reproach to any people. The wicked, Psalm 9, 17, shall be turned into hell, and all of the nations that forget God, all of the nations that forget God. I don't believe that God's word is time stamped through thousands and thousands of years ago, and all of a sudden we're exempt from what that scripture says. No one would disagree with me tonight that we are a nation that is backslidden. We're a great nation. We're an awesome nation. We're the land of the free, great opportunities, but we're not the most spiritual nation that we could be. We're calling right wrong, and we're calling wrong right. And we perverted, literally perverted, and absolutely going backwards of what we were originally stand, uh, uh, stood to be. I'm not a historian. I'm not a historian by nature. Some of you are history buffs, and I applaud you for that. But no one can really argue the fact that although America is not our original home, we know that there are Native American brothers and sisters who were here before Christopher Columbus. But since the colonization and since America became three, excuse me, 1776, so uh, however long that was ago, 300 years ago, what have you, 200 and some odd years ago, it was founded on Christian principles. 
I think, I think it'd be hard to argue that this country was not founded upon Christian principles and the word of God. I think it'd be hard to argue that. And, and not only that, but God prospered America and God blessed America to be the greatest country in the world. That's not propaganda. Everyone wants to be here. Everyone wants to come here. And so now here we are, blessed. But if we go back, and, and this is why I can't wait to get into Second Chronicles over the weekend. Every time Israel prospered and every time Israel sought God, God blessed them. But then Israel would backslide. And then every time Israel backslide, God would judge them and deal with them. And so it brings us to an apex and a climax in chapter 5 and chapter 6. And finally, Solomon prays and God says, listen, you prayed this prayer years ago, but I'm going to honor it now. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and turn from their ways and pray and seek my face, then I would heal from heaven and heal the land, and I would heal, forgive their sins, and I would heal their lands. Why would the land need to be healed? Because they had once were the greatest country in the world, and they were prospering, but they went off uh, after other false gods. And can we not agree tonight that we have gone after false gods, the God of money, the God of fame, the God of fortune. We're meddling in everyone else's business around the world and can't handle our own. And so God gives us a commandment to pray for our country. Psalm 33, 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I don't think those scriptures are, have, have expired. Blessed will be our country when God is the Lord. So I have to differ with the prior uh, administration in Cairo, Egypt, 2006, America is no longer a Christian nation. I understand the context that we have multiple religions in our country, but let's call the record straight. We were founded, and we've dominantly been a Christian nation. Let's not turn our backs on the Judeo-Christian values of why we're blessed today. Okay? And I hope I'm not fussing. I hope I'm not over the top right now. I definitely want to hear from you tonight. I want to hear from you tonight. But this is my opinion, my biblical perspective. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people has chosen as his own inheritance. Number two, God gives us a commandment to pray for all leaders in authority. Not some leaders, not the ones you get along with, not the ones you agree with, but all leaders, all leaders in authority. Church, business, family, school, government, politics, military, all leaders. Notice again what Timothy says, and I've read this, I'm, I hate to admit this, but I, I, I didn't read it as accurate as I could. I'm thinking that we, should, we should be praying for them that they lead a peaceful and quiet life. That ain't what the Bible says. You pray for them that you and I would lead a peaceable and quiet life. I gave the statement last Sunday, I'll say it again. To pray for President Trump's failure is like asking God to give him failure as the pilot of the plane that we're all flying on. I ain't praying that prayer. I want that plane to safely land because I'm on the plane. You're on the plane. And somehow or another, I believe we can make that difference. Number three, God gives us a commandment to pray for one another, to pray for one another. Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all of the saints. That means you and I. We have a fiduciary responsibility to pray for one another. Sunday, excuse me, Saturday mornings right here at the church, 8 a.m., the sanctuary is open for praying for the saints. We pray for the church. We pray for church membership. We pray for the families. It is one hour where we come together and pray for one another. That's the commandment that the Lord has given us. All right, let me give you a couple of things before I close out. My last segment tonight is what to pray for when praying for the president. Okay? The man needs prayer. I feel like every time I give him some half of a prop, someone gets mad at me even more. The one thing that I acknowledge and appreciate 
is that anybody can be a president in these 50 United States of America. You don't have to be a military background. You don't have to uh, have a political in-house background. If nothing else, this man has proven that without prior military or governmental experience, you too can be the president of the United States of America. Now, he may have a little bit more money to work with, all right, may have a little bit more clout to work with, but unless you and I know tonight, male or female, black or white, anybody who's determined can be the president of the United States of America, we should all grab that and be thankful for that opportunity. I believe he needs humility. And this is me talking tonight, number one, fill in the blank, humility and a servant leader spirit. God, give this man humility. First Peter reminds us God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We're only in the first few days, and everybody's in their honeymoon stage and happy-go-lucky, blah, blah, blah. But let's pray that this man don't get arrogant more than he already is. Let's pray that he didn't get more self-centered and narcissistic more than he already is. Let's pray that he walk in humility, that God give him an humble spirit. Because God resists the proud, but he grace to the humble. Number two, wisdom and guidance, James 1.5. If anyone you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given unto him. That's what Solomon asked for. Solomon says, God, you ask me what I want, and here's what I want. I need wisdom. I need wisdom to lead such great people. And God says, you know what, wise, since you didn't ask for riches, since you didn't ask for this, that, and the other, long life, I'm going to actually give you what you asked for, and I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. We're praying that God give him wisdom. Number three, godly counsel. Here's our prayer. Godly counsel and advice. Proverbs 11:14, Where there is no counsel, the people fail. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. There's safety. God, surround that man, surround his family with godly men and women that will give them the word of God. Surround them with wise strategy leaders everywhere from government, business, uh, ethics, trades, international diplomacy, foreign affairs, whatever it may be. God, surround him with men and women that are sharp and wise. That should be our prayer for our leaders. Number four, conviction and courage. I'm sorry, give me, give me uh, one other scripture under number three was Proverbs 24 and 6. For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Finally, number four, conviction and courage. We're asking God to give our leaders in this country conviction and courage. Proverbs 21 one reminds us, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, God turns that heart wherever he wishes. It is God who turns the heart of man. I think the biggest objective tonight is this. We don't put our trust in men. In fact, I wasn't going to turn there, but just write down Isaiah 31. Just write it down. You don't have to turn it. Write it down. Write it down. May this be a warning to all of us. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitudes of their chariots and in great strength of their horsemen. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. The dissatisfactions that many of us have tonight, maybe that is a sign to pray even the more. The discomfort that we all are experiencing with all of these breaking news and headlines, maybe that is an indication that you and I should pray. Uh, Derek, it was a great quote that your wife had on Facebook, and I want to acknowledge that tonight. I don't know who, who originated it, but I love the quote. The quote simply said this, what if... All that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. did was pray. What if the only thing he did was pray? Obviously, the influence is we need to do more than pray. I appreciated that quote, so it was a very riveting thought. 
What if, he, what if all that he did and told us to do was just pray only? And you all know that he did more than pray. Here are the three charges I have for you tonight. Have vision, have value, and be a voice. Someone asked me the question on Facebook. They said, Pastor Stephen, well, honestly, what should we do? I told them that my fear is that we may have lost this generation. It may be too late to have reached this generation. Okay? But the African proverb says, bend the tree while it is green. It is not too late to reach this next generation. Because what they're asking for today, we had a great conversation earlier today about millennials. One thing's for sure, they're crying out for mothers and fathers. They're looking for mentors. And my goal to every one of you tonight is to become a mentor. Become a spiritual mother, become a spiritual father. There's a generation of young men and women tonight, they are at wit's end. We are at wit's end. I was on a conference call tonight with our national pastors and elders council. I've been asked again this year to work with the institute in Las Vegas for the conference. Uh, there'll be several hundred pastors that will come in. And uh, I'm very honored that I was asked to help put that institute together. And uh, on the conference call tonight, the statement was made that we are pastors that are 60 and 70 years old. We have, not, we have no clue what to do with millennials. I said, time out. There are pastors that are 30 years old and 40 years old. They have no idea what to do with millennials. The truth of the matter is, is that they're looking for mothers and they're looking for fathers. They're looking for mentoring. And I believe that after we have prayed, and we should pray, but we should be doing something after prayer. You have no right to complain. You have no right to criticize. You have no right to put your mouth on any leader in government, school, ministry, church, and you're not willing to do something. You become a voice. You don't like what's going on in the city council? Why don't you run for city council? Okay, we are in the, midst of, we are in the municipality of Huntersville. It don't take a lot of votes for someone to be in office in Huntersville. You've already got a ready-made crowd on Sunday morning. I'm not running, but why don't you run? Well, maybe, maybe that's the first step toward becoming an influence in the greater metropolitan area of Charlotte. Maybe another step is to be an influence in this part of the state. Maybe the next step is to be an influence in the state itself. Maybe the next is in this region of the country. All I'm saying is this, after we pray, you have to have a vision. Can you see yourselves doing something great? Can you see yourselves making an impact? Can you see yourselves making a change and a difference? Because if not, all of the marching and the protesting and all of the bickering and biting and fussing and fighting, all that, it don't mean a hill of beans. Making a whole bunch of noise, an empty wagon makes a whole bunch of noise, but still water runs deep. And my goal is after you've prayed and after you've gotten all hot and bothered, do something. Have a vision for your community. Have a vision for your family. Have a vision for your business. Make a whole lot of money and help a whole lot of folks go to school. Because anything short of that is just talk. Have values. We're all learning to be perfected in God's grace. But have values that can be stated. Third and finally, and I'm finished, have a voice. Be a voice. Now with the world of social media, you can influence folk all over the world. With, with multimedia, um, uh, in, in politics, in sports, in entertainment, in business, in school, in tutoring, in principles, in mentoring. Be a voice. You do me and yourselves and us no good by being so internally bothered yet you're not a voice of the nations. My friends tonight, you can be a voice of the nations and God can use you. I've given you tonight a prayer list on the back and you can take this home with you. Obviously, on the back of your outline, there is a 2017 prayer for America. It is a compilation of several different prayers. I've added my own little touch to this so it wouldn't be plagiarized, all right? Um, but tonight I want to close out with this prayer because this is my prayer for America and maybe it serves as a guide as you're praying for your country as you're praying for those in authority, as we pray for our government. 
and that's to pray for our leaders. My time is up tonight. I'm well over my time. Thank you all for the extra time. Let me do this. Because of the sensitivity of tonight's subject matter, I want to open the floor tonight for questions, clarity, any area of clarity I can address tonight. Thank you, Pastor Dorsey. Thank you, uh, one of the other elders who can help out with a microphone. Um, it don't have to be long and drawn out. You don't have to preach no sermonette. But if there are questions tonight, anything of clarity, I know I talk extremely fast. I'm dealing with a lot of high emotional subject matters. But my goal tonight is that you were equipped with biblical scripture of why as Christians, again, I can't hold sinners accountable to this scripture and to these messages tonight. But as Christians, here's what the word of God says. Here's why it says what it says. And here's the difference you and I can make. Questions tonight. Questions are areas of clarification I can provide for anyone tonight. Do y'all still love Pastor Steve? Do y'all still love your church? Kind of maybe, I don't know. I'll think about it. I'll get back with you next week sometime. All right, good. Sister Kendrick? I noticed that when um, President Trump had asked a few leaders or a few pastors to meet with him, were they select pastors that would, as they say, kiss up to him? Because from what I'm looking, I'm wondering, is he taking heed to whatever advice or guidance they've given him? Because he's very narcissistic. Sure, sure. Uh, I don't know those pastors personally. I'm not familiar with them. I am familiar with Bishop Wayne T. Jackson out of Detroit. Um, I, I really can't answer that question about the personnel of pastors he's used. One thing's for sure, he's avoided the Al Sharpton's and Jesse Jackson's of the world, that's for sure. Uh, and maybe rightfully so, because I'm not, I'm not on that, that far right wing either, as it is. Uh, my prayer is that there'd be a, a more of a, uh, a cross-pollinization of pastors and spiritual leaders, male and female, that can be counsel. Uh, th that I do know. Many of y'all don't know this, but we actually got a phone call um, the last week of October. We, the, the Trump administration, excuse me, not administration, the Trump campaign actually reached out to us about having a rally at this church. And I sat down with our staff, I sat down with a couple of our leaders, and we debated for uh, about three minutes and realized maybe uh, I, I wanted to know uh, how much are you paying again? How much are you going to pay the convention center downtown? And how much can you pay us in this season? But we thought it was wise for the season not to have a debate. You know, it was such a light rush of debate. And so uh, I have some friends who work on the campaign in North Carolina, and they seem to be very well equipped to help us with that. And so who knows? Maybe God's going to raise up a man or woman. 